Well, good morning, everybody, and uh, it's good to be back with you. My name is Tim, and uh, again, welcome to Greater Alton Church. Um, it's, uh, today we're starting a new series called The Q, and um, what I want to do today is do some introduction, if, if you'll let me, uh, simply by talking about uh, the power of a simple question. You know, I've realized we live in a culture, in a land that just loves information. It seems like we can't get enough of it. And we're looking for answers. We're hungry. We're starving for information. And it's not just any information. We want relevant information. We want to have, we want to know something and learn something that we can use in our life. And we just have so much access when you stop and think about it, so much access to information uh, now. I, I remember a day when the internet wasn't around and you had to go to the library or you, you were limited to the, the, the resources you had in your, maybe a personal library or, or the news on TV. Now it's, it's just amazing what uh, you can find uh, on the web. For example, YouTube is, is just becoming more and more popular it's the second most used search engine in the world. It's right behind Google. And uh, I've been, re I don't know if, you, if you're somebody who watches a lot of YouTube. I watch a ton of YouTube um, and, uh, and Facebook. I'll look at videos on Facebook as well. Um, this is what I, I found out about YouTube. I was looking at some statistics here. There are 500 hours of video that are, that are uploaded on YouTube every minute. And... Uh, People watch over a billion hours of YouTube videos a day. Now, that's more than Netflix and Facebook combined. And why is that? Well, there's a lot of entertainment. I'm not denying that. But there's a lot of information that's on YouTube as well. I use YouTube when I'm trying to fix something. Uh, if I'm working on a lawnmower or I'm working on a, a, a car, I just simply type in the problem. And there's a host of videos that show you how to solve that issue uh, and it's, it's, it's amazing. I, it's an amazing tool. I use it every day. And, you know, I got to thinking about this. So it's no surprise. We just stop and think about this. It's no surprise that when we come to God's word, we're going to look, we're wanting answers. We're looking for answers to our questions. Maybe there's questions about God or, or maybe a decision we're about to make, what we should do, maybe in a relationship or with a job, even where, where we should live or uh, Maybe we even look, we're looking for an answer like, what's my purpose? Why am I here? Or sometimes I, we can even go to the Word of God to look for an answer on what's the right time to do something. It just, it's just amazing. And, and when you start looking at the Scriptures, you, you discover that the Bible has got a lot of answers. Uh, you read Proverbs or the book of James, two of the most practical books in the Bible. And you find not only information, but you also learn about application. In fact, a lot of the Bible is structured and worded in such a way to give us some ways and how-tos. It gives us lots of application. You know, today you might hear, and it makes sense, you might hear uh, that uh, Jesus is the answer to all your problems. And you think, well, why does not people say that? Well, it's because when Jesus came to earth, he spent a lot of time teaching and instructing, and he gave a lot of answers. You read his first sermon, the Beatitudes, 
you, you see he gives a litany of principles and practices that you and I, uh, he asks us to do uh, in, in order to, to live in a way that God uh, is, that pleases God and that God wants. I've spent most of my life, most of my preaching life, exploring and answering questions. I have lots of people ask me questions all the time and I try to give them an answer. But in my sermons, I've tried uh, over the years, uh, instead of just doing ought to sermons, I mean, we hear enough of those. You ought to do this, you ought to do this, you ought to be this. Uh, years ago, I was challenged to look at, instead of ought to, how about how to preaching? And I've been hooked ever since. And I've spent hours and decades uh, preparing lessons, uh, preparing presentations on how to do something. Because I know people don't need so much ought to, they, they want to know how. How do I do what God wants? And, um, and with you, I want you to know over the years, many of you are all with you, we have worked together and we've been looking together for answers to our questions. Well, at the beginning of 2020, I got a little book uh, called Jesus in Red. It's a little leather-bound book. It's a daily devotional. And it covers a statement of Jesus every day. And it happens to be in red letters. And I was, I've, I've been reading it throughout the year. And then for some reason, uh, a, a couple of months ago, I come across uh, a few days that seem to hit on a couple of questions and then a third question. Each day had a question. And it got me to think, a question from Jesus, in other words. And it got me to thinking, how many questions did Jesus ask? Have you ever thought about that? I mean, we call Jesus the answer man. It makes sense. He gives a lot of information. He tells us a lot of things we should do. And, um, and while Jesus answers a lot of my questions, and you may have found him to answer a lot of your questions, I, dis I discovered that he has a lot of questions, a lot of questions for me, a lot of questions for you. And I got to thinking about that. And here's what I found out. Jesus asked over 300 questions in the Gospels. So if the Gospels give us a snapshot of the life of Jesus, um, he asked a lot of questions. You know, he was only asked 133 questions by others. And out of those 133 questions, he only answers between three and eight of them. You know, again, it just, it, it seems to me that Jesus is more interested in asking a question than directly answering a question. Now, I'm not saying he doesn't give answers, he gives plenty of them, but I thought it was interesting to me that Jesus is, was 40 times more likely to ask a question than to answer one. I mean, look at the, look at the book of Luke records here. Uh, in Luke 2, verse 46, Mary and Joseph have lost track of their kid. And if you're a parent, have you ever lost track of your kids? You know, you thought, you thought he was with her, your wife, or with mom, or you thought he was with dad. That happened to me one time. Well, it happens to Mary and Joseph. And when they finally get together, they're going, where's Jesus? And the other one says, I thought he was with you. No, he was supposed to be with you. And they start panicking. So they go back to Jerusalem. And the Bible says here, after three days... <laughs> They had to look for him for three days. Uh, somebody should call child family services here. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers. And look what it says. T listening to them and asking them questions. You say, well, he was asking questions for them to, you know, to explain. And that's 
Sure. But it's interesting that one of the first things we know about Jesus is he loved to ask questions. In fact, when you start studying the Gospels, here's what you discover. His very first recorded words are in the form of a question. Look what it says here in Luke 2, verse 49. This is what he says to his parents just three verses later. Why were you searching for me? There's a good question. Why are you looking for me? He says, don't you know I had to be in my father's house? And even the last word to Jesus, when you look at the cross, you find that two of the Gospels, Mark and Matthew in particular, when they record the last spoken words of Jesus as he dies on the cross, he said, this is, it's a question. And here's the question. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And after he resurrects, after Jesus resurrects, he's still asking lots of questions. For example, he asks the women at the tomb, why are you crying? Who is it that you're trying to find? Who are you, trying, who are you looking for? He tells these two guys on the road to Emmaus, he says, what were you discussing together as you walked along together there? And in Luke 24, when he appears to the disciples, they're all stunned. They don't believe it's him. And he says, well, do you have something to eat? And he eats something right in front of them to prove it, who he is, that he's a real person. He's alive. And then who can forget when Jesus takes Peter aside and asks him not once, but three times this question, do you love me? I mean, these are the kind of questions Jesus, he just, he loved to ask questions. I was on uh, the internet just a couple of days ago and I thought, I typed in questions Jesus asks, and I got one, the top 100, 135. You ought to try it. You're going to be amazed at what you're going to find. Let me read a few of them that you're going to find on that list that I found interesting. Here's one. What are you looking for? Who do you say I am? Do you see this woman? What is your name? Why are you afraid? Why do you doubt? Where is your faith? Do you want to get well? Here's one that got my attention. Why do you call me Lord and not do the things I say? Here's another question. Can any one of you, by worrying at a single hour to your life, what do you want me to do for you? If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Why do you not understand what I'm saying? These are just a few of the many questions Jesus asked. And I'd like to cover some of these during this series. And I want to encourage you, if you've got a question, you, uh, that, in other words, you see a question that Jesus asks, asked in the Bible, uh, you can send it to me, you know, uh, text me, email me, uh, let me know, and maybe we'll cover that one as well. So I got to thinking, as I was looking at this idea of the cue, the, the question, the red letter questions of Jesus, I asked myself, why is Jesus so interested in asking questions? Why is he interested in asking me and you? You know, the, the two of us here, so many questions. Well, let me give you three reasons. The first reason is because questions can lead to learning more. I don't know what it is, but there's something about answers that give a sense of finality. But questions, oh, they make you think. They make you start probing. They make you 
keep reflecting, you begin to probe more and you begin discovering, discovering more. See, questions unleash the power of understanding and clarity. You know, Albert Einstein says, never stop questioning. Always keep, always be questioning things. Doesn't mean you're suspicious. It means you're going to learn more. I was reading something that says, says um, wise people, wise people answer questions. Idiots know all the answers. You know, it's the, why is that so important? See, questions, if you're, if, you're, if you're interested in questions and you're asking questions and listening to questions, it means you're a learner and you're guaranteed to learn a whole lot more. Look at what it says here in Proverbs 18, 17. The person who tells one side of the story seems right until someone else comes and asks questions. Is that true? Sure it is. See, questions take you deeper than a quick, simple answer. And they inspire you to look and learn something new, something better. I read this. I thought this was interesting. You can't spell question without spelling quest. And, uh, and it's funny, the Lord's questions do take you and I on a journey to learn something, to discover something new and to something good and something more. So I want to uh, just encourage you to expect during this series to learn more about yourself. Learn some more, more about God, about His kingdom, about what matters. And expect His questions, listen to me, expect His questions to take you where you currently are where he wants you to be. That's the first thing. We learn more. Here's another one. The reason I think Jesus asks questions because questions build intimacy. And you say, wait a second, Tim. I, there's a lot of questions I get asked. They don't build no int intimacy to me. I feel attacked. I feel like I've got to, uh, like I'm being accused of something. I know. I hear things like, why'd you do that? I hear that a lot, by the way, in my house. What'd you do that for? <laughs> it doesn't sound, doesn't seem to build a lot of intimacy. I agree. But I got to admit, there's some questions that do. And I don't know how to explain it uh, really that well. I just know it happens. There are some questions between two people that seem to spark a mutual curiosity and it just draws them together like two people under the hood of a car. And they're saying, why is this engine not running? Or what, what, how should we fix this? And by putting, the question brings these two heads together. And from it, they're able to find a better answer. It's the exchange of questions. When we can ask each other questions and not feel threatened by it, that there's no judgment attached to it. There, there's, there, instead, of a, instead of it animosity, it's curiosity that's attached to the question. A mutual curiosity. We're not looking for gotcha moments. We're looking for an answer. And so we come together. And because of that, we get a, we're able to understand things better. It just, we work better together when we tackle a question like that. I was on vacation a couple weeks ago, and I don't know how, how it is. If you go on a family vacation, we do an extended family vacation. I know. You can just imagine some of the drama at times. Well, in this, it's not just my, my grandkids are there and, and my sons and daughter-in-laws, but it's my brother-in-law and his family, and they're married. And then I have, have uh, another brother and sister-in-law sister that uh, are there. And we're, we're staying in this house at Table uh, Rock Lake, 
seven bedrooms. And it's, you know, remember that Home Alone scene where they're all scrambling around before trying to get to the airport? It's that way every morning. Lots of noise. When you put a bunch of people like that together, I think it's, you realize not everybody's going to want to do everything at the same time. And then when you realize not everybody here sees eye to eye on a lot of issues, and it's true. And uh, one of the things I, I noticed is, is that I have some relatives in my family that they and I, we disagree on some political views, on, on religion, um, on some moral issues. And, you know, you don't want to bring those up at a family vacation. It kind of ruins it. Well, this year, um, a bunch of my, uh, most of the family went out to go boating. I stayed uh, with one of my uh, relatives, and we had a cup of coffee together. About a two-hour conversation. And I, and I asked him, I said, I said, listen, I've been waiting to talk to you about something. Uh, ever since COVID come out and all this stuff that's been happening in the United States, and we, we disagree on a lot. I say disagree on a lot of stuff. We disagree politically on, on several things. And so I wanted to talk about racism. I wanted his, his take on it, what he thought about it. I wanted, I wanted an opposite view that I could look face to face and just learn from. And so I started with a question. I tried this. I thought, you know, I'm just going to ask some questions. And so we started, we talked about systematic racism. We talked about just police brutality. We talked about a lot of, lot of different issues and um, nobody got angry. Nobody lost their temper. And we both, you know, scratched our heads sometimes and went, you know, that's a good question. Well, what about this? And we bring another question into the conversation. Now, by the end of the week, um, we're getting ready to say goodbye to one another. And uh, I'm saying goodbye to everybody as they're leaving. And I finally get to him and, and we hug. And I said, I want you to know I really enjoyed you, you know, this, this year. He goes, I want to tell you something, Tim. I really enjoyed having, you know, having some, a lot of discussions with you. It's nice to have a discussion without people getting offended. I know we disagree on some things, Tim, but it's, it was so good. And I want you to know I really appreciated that. And I thought to myself, why? Why did that discussion go so well? And I think it's because I took time to ask more questions. It takes more time when you exchange questions. You waste a lot of time talking over each other. And instead of trying to be the answer guy, and I've always been that, I'm going to be the answer man. I don't want to be the answer man. I want to be like Jesus and just be the question man. And I was surprised how well it worked out. God knows this really well. He understands the power of questions. He understands how it builds intimacy. Look what he says here in Isaiah 1. Isaiah is a prophet during the time when Israel is at a real, real bad time. And God is trying to get Israel's attention. And look what he says to the prophet Isaiah. God says these words, Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. And though your sins are as scarlet, in other words, though things are bad right now, they can be white as snow. And he says, so let's get together. He says, come on, let's get together and let's look at this. Let's discuss this. Let's exchange our thoughts on this. Let's figure this out together. Now, why would God want to do that? Listen to me carefully. I want you to know this this morning. God wants to answer His questions for you 
with you. He doesn't. He, he wants to be involved in answering his questions to you. He wants to be with you. Here's an example. These two guys coming back, you know, they're, they're, they're on the road to Emmaus. They're outside, seven, the Bible says here, seven miles outside of Jerusalem. And in, verse, in Luke 24, it says this, they were deep in conversation going over all these things that had happened. In the middle of their talk and questions, Jesus came up and walked along with them. It's in the middle of questions, the middle of a discussion, that Jesus wants to be involved. And he asks, and, he, and it's in that, on that road. He, he injects himself. He placed himself in this conversation. And he says, what are you guys talking about? Now, did Jesus already know the answer to that question? Absolutely. So why ask it? Well, he asks it because he wants to work on the answer together. And he does. And in this series, I want to ask you, I want to encourage you to invite Jesus to participate with you to answer the questions he has for you. Here's the third reason Jesus asks questions. Okay, first, he wants us to learn. Secondly, he wants to get closer. It'll build intimacy. The third reason is because questions can cause change. I find it comforting to know that Jesus has lots of questions. I mean, I do too, don't you? Yeah. But some of his questions for me can be a little uncomfortable. Let me give you a question here. I, I remember Denise showing me this passage and as we were studying the Bible together years ago. I wasn't a Christian, but I thought Jesus, I, I said Jesus was my Lord. I thought I was a Christian. And she says, well, then why don't you get baptized? And I said, I don't think you have to be baptized to be saved. And I said, well, Jesus teaches it. I mean, if, you, if you're going to say he's Lord, why don't you do what he says? And then she read this passage to me in Luke 6. What good does it do for you to say I'm your God or your Lord and Master if what I teach you is not put into practice? And I, at first I thought that was a question she was asking me. And I realized, no, this is a question Jesus is asking me. He goes, am I your Lord, Tim? And I'm going, yeah. Then why won't you do it? And once That question shook me up. It unsettled me. It made me think. And guess what I did? I decided to do what Jesus said. And ever since then, as I learned something else that Jesus teaches, I decide to do it. I decide to apply it as best I can. And that's what questions do. That's why Jesus asks those questions. It gives you kind of an entry point to an answer to change in your life. In John 5, he says that this, he says this, when he saw him lying there, here's a guy that's been paralyzed for a long time because, and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time. He had, I'm sorry, he's blind. He says, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? Yeah, you've been in this condition a long time. Why would he say that? You know, I don't know about you, but sometimes you get a, you, you're a certain way for so long you think you can't change. And Jesus says, do you want to get well? He opens that door to make that guy think about that. Well, yeah, I want to get well. Well, guess what? You can. You can get well. well. I mean, understand, the reason Jesus asks us questions is not to give us more information. His goal is to lead you and I to transformation. And sometimes, let's face it, it takes some discomfort from a question to wake us up and make us do something about it. So I want to ask you, 
want to encourage you. Don't let the questions Jesus has for you frighten you. Are some of them loaded? I mean, they seem to be loaded. You know what I mean? Loaded question. Well, if they are, they're loaded with His love because He wants to bless your life. Now, as we close, I just want to encourage you during this series to do three things. Three things you can do to capitalize on the questions of Jesus. The first thing I'd like to encourage you to do is, is to personalize his questions. What do you mean? I'm saying take them so seriously that you make them yours. Instead of when you hear a question, think about, well, the guy across the room or the guy at the, where you work with or some family member, I want you to first answer that question and take it personal. Let it focus on you for a bit. It's the first thing you can do. Take every question personal. Personalize it. Number two, open your mind to God's questions. Open your mind to the question Jesus has for you. I mean, what do you mean? Be honest about it. You know, I, I, during um, vacation, I, I, I was on Facebook the most I've ever been. And I've come across this um, Judge Frank Caprio. He's uh, from Providence, Rhode Island. <laughs> and he's a traffic court judge. You've probably seen him caught on camera. All these people coming in. He's such a generous, sweet, fair judge, you know. And, and um, this guy comes in and he goes, okay, Mr. Smith, or whatever his name was, Mr. Smith, you were, um, it says here you got a ticket for uh, running a stop sign. Yeah, judge, I don't know if I really did that. I don't remember. And he goes, well, it says that you did it on this street at this intersection. Let's roll it and let's, let's look at it together. And they always show it up on the screen. And you see this guy's car. He doesn't slow down a bit. Right through the red light he goes. He goes, so did you run that red light? And he goes, well, judge, I, I don't know. Uh, I kind of, I don't know. I'm not sure about that. He goes, wait, let's look at it again. And he look at it again. And there you go. Whoa, 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 you, oh, you didn't stop. So did you run the red light? And he goes, well, judge, perhaps I may have. I don't know, kind of. And he goes, okay, let's look at this a third time. And he shows him again. Oh, watch it now. And you hear the crowd laughing, the rest of the courtroom laughing. There you go, there you go. He stops, stops, stops. Oh, you didn't stop. Ooh. So did you stop at the red light, Mr. Smith? And he goes, well, and he goes, look, the correct answer is yes, judge. I, I ran the stop sign. Or no, judge, I didn't stop. And he goes, yes, judge, I ran the stop sign. Okay, good. I'm going to dismiss your case. And I thought, why is he doing that? Because he's in finally admitting it. Why? The judge knows the answer to that question. The, the bailiff knows the answer to the question. Everybody in the court sees the answer to the question. Why does he want this guy to admit it? Because that guy needs to hear himself. That guy needs to be honest and hear himself say he broke the law. Because that'll help him in the long run. Instead of sweeping under the rug or making light of it or watering it down, he admits it and he's able to go on. So I've asked you to open your mind to this question. Be honest with the question Jesus asks you. Be concerned about that. And number three, answer his question. Just answer his question. Don't ignore it. Don't sidestep it. Answer his question. Well, what do you mean, Tim? You, listen, you answer the question of Jesus with how you're going to respond. It's really about that. It's, it comes down to a decision you want to know the answer to this question? It's a decision. What am I going to do now based on that question? You know, Job, um, you read the book of Job, he's looking for answers. 
he's getting, he's, he starts complaining. He's, he's getting sour about things. I mean, he is suffering. It's, he doesn't understand why, why it's happening. All of his friends think he's done something wrong. Job can't think of anything he's done to deserve what he's got. So he has lots of questions, you know, uh, for God. And by the time you get to the end of the book of Job, then it says God began to speak up because Job, I know you have a lot of questions for me, but now I have some questions for you. And he goes in this list of questions. And the Bible says that Job, after he hears all these questions, he's, Job says, I put my hand over my mouth. I went, wow. I don't know even what to say. You know, I, I think Job had no idea that God had questions for him. And uh, I want you to know, I didn't realize how many questions Jesus has in the Bible. And, and, I, and I am looking forward to this series going, what, what's, what questions do you have for me? I want to answer them. I don't have to be sharp. You don't have to be real sharp. Albert Einstein said this, I have no special talents. I'm just passionately curious. And so let me encourage you this morning to share Einstein's passion for curiosity when we look at the, the, the questions of Jesus. Because when you do, if you'll be curious enough, be honest enough about it, you're going to learn something. You're going to get closer to Christ and it's going to lead to some change. You're going to experience the power of a simple question from Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your son, Jesus. And Lord, I tell you, I've, I've seen Jesus as an answer man for years. Never thought of him as the question man. And Father, I know his questions aren't filled with, you know, uh, hatred or he's not judging any of us here. He just wanting us to wake up and see some things. And, and uh, instead of just telling us, he wants us to discover he wants us to discover some things about ourselves, about you, about this earth, about life, about eternity. So, Father, we pray as we go through the questions of your son, Jesus, that you'll help us uh, make these questions ours. When he's asking Peter questions that we'll put ourselves in Peter's shoes, when he's asking uh, a Pharisee or a woman uh, at a well or a or a blind man, or a lame person, or a crowd that will put ourselves in that crowd or at that well, put ourselves with our condition and um, let you question us the same way. Open our minds, Father. Would you help us be really honest? Whenever you ask us a question, we give you an honest answer. And Father, let that answer be in a, a, a good response a decision because you've revealed something and it leads us to change. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.